In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and Leif Chuline, we will talk about a few prospects that have exceeded expectations. We did an episode last week, or actually earlier this week, about guys that haven't lived up to expectations, but this is the opposite. So find out who has exceeded Leif's expectations. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, and you know Leaf Tulane, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone in the world. In every episode, Leaf basically shows off why he is the most knowledgeable college basketball fan on the planet. Leaf, how is everything going in Utah? Big day out there because uh, they announced the the reserves for All Star Weekend. Are you going to be doing any All Star activities? Uh, I've yet I've yet to hear if I'm <clears throat> entirely on the roster. I, I plan on getting in using my my credential and, and seeing if I can work help with the broadcast and, and do some stats for it because I think that'd be a really fun experience. So I'm I'm hoping to, um, and and all is well over here playing playing some hoops. Uh, just got back from some some ball in this week's men's league. I was I was an assist shy of a triple double, so I was. I was I was really really hoping someone would hit a late three on one of these like outlet passes, but uh, I, I'm doing well. Mr. Rana had a triple double today. Was a good day. Just about, just about one man, assist shy. I need to I need to find some time to hoop, man. I just don't have time. I was playing with with uh Richard Richard Staven, Mr. Mav Draft. I was playing with him a few months back, and um, yeah, ever since the baby got a little bit older. I just haven't I haven't had time to. I need to get back into it, but I'm at the age now where guys are tearing their ACLs and tearing their Achilles and getting hurt. And I know me, I I, I won't stretch. Like I just want to get out there and just start hooping. And I know I need to like stretch and get loose and all of that. So I've made it this far with no injuries. So I don't know. It might be time to hang them up. But I'll play some half court here and there. All right, but let's let's get right into it so earlier this week uh we did an episode about players that have been underwhelming or underachieving and guys that it's still enough time in the season for them to turn it around and and improve their draft stock or even get it back to where at least where i thought it was coming into the season and this episode is going to be the total opposite we're going to talk about guys that have exceeded expectations and have basically put themselves in a really good position this year. And if you had a list of five players or or six or seven, who is the number one guy for you this year that has exceeded your expectations? Uh, I would say Bryce Sensabaugh for Ohio State. I, I knew of him coming into the draft. Um, I, I'd seen him play a little, but I just didn't know if I could trust his scoring to translate to playing against superior athletes relative to 
what he was used to playing against and he's really had no difficulty doing so. I think there's things he still needs to improve. Uh, we, we've spoken before on here about that. If he loses 10, 10 pounds, uh, maybe 15 pounds, he can be a bit more explosive and, and combine explosiveness with his guile and, and ability to explode in the, in the short term um, and combine it with more ability to do that in the long term of the games. I think he wears down late in games at times, but, um, but that's, I think the reason I'm so high on his uh, high on him, excuse me, is that I have to nitpick to find the weaknesses and the, in the attributes that I thought could be good. Um, and, and I thought, you know, he was a borderline first round pick and now I feel like he's borderline lottery. Yeah. He's having a great year. I looked it up and I'm not a per 40 guy per 36 guy at all. Just don't believe in it. Just personal preference. But I saw his per 40 is like 29 points per game. If you had to guess what his NBA role would be, like, what do you think? Do you think could be more so used as a three-point shooter because he's shooting around 47%? Or do you think that he'll be able to play like he's played as like a pull-up shooter and the guy that basically just bullies weaker opponents? Uh, I hope he's able to be the three-point shooter because a guy that we discussed last year was was the bully opponents get to his mid-range spots, and that's Johnny Davis. And, <laughs> I, and I knew that was coming. As soon as I mentioned my question, I was like, oh, man, this sounds like Johnny Davis. But yeah. the shooting is the difference. Yeah, they're, they're different. I, I just wanted to point that I hope he's able to be a, uh, a guy who p- punishes you from both levels. I think he's got the chance to be a three-level scorer. Um, and that's why I think it's important for him to lose the weight so he can get to the rim against NBA level players re- uh, using speed and, and agility. Um, and I, I do trust his jump shot. I don't think he's going to shoot too many mid rangers. Um, I think that's something that Malachi Branham and, and Johnny Davis are, are guys from last year that were figureheads of shooting mid range and, and having trouble adapting. Um, so I, I think sensible has got more touch from three point line than, than either of the first two. Do you have a comparison for him? Not saying that you're the guy that is like the the comparison guru, but his game is so unique. Nobody really like comes to mind. But do you have anybody that just kind of comes to mind? Yeah, no, I can't. I can't quite get one. Um, I think, I think the thing about comparisons is like they they dawn on me while I watch the guy, and mm-hmm. and I just haven't gotten one because he. I feel like he plays differently in different games. Like sometimes he'll be shooting threes and sometimes he'll be going to the rack. And sometimes if the, the player guarding him is quicker and, uh, and he's up in his grill, he just backs him down. He's got this ball. intermediate bully ball game that that's rare to see that I appreciate watching. Um, but I think there's more to his game. So the reason he's hard to find a comparison for is because his game um, blends into the, the situation necessary for an Ohio state team that quite frankly is underwhelming at this point in the year. You know how crazy it is with all the gazillion basketball players we've watched and there isn't a close comparison to Bryce Sensible? Like, that's that's when you have a really unique game, body type, style, just so many different things that that you, you have to have that make you stand out that you can't even think of a comparison. All right, number two on your list as far as guys that have exceeded expectations. So... I would say this one, I, I very much knew more about him than most of the other guys on my list, but I, I we shared this, and we've said this on the podcast before, that we didn't think Anthony Black was going to be very good coming into the year. And I my biggest concern about him was how he performs in the half court. 
Well, Nick Smith's been hurt. He's taken a, sh- a absolute burden uh, along with Ricky Council, and he he does have turnovers. Yes, he can improve his jump shot, but I love the way he's able to get it. He's a walking paint touch. He gets to the rim. He creates for others. Defensively, he impacts the game. He can guard your best player, take him out of a game. He'll rebound. He pushes the pace. Um, uh, so he's the guy that I, I've circled on my on my board that I, I just really enjoy watching Arkansas, even if they're sometimes ugly offensively, just because I love to see the way he impacts the game. And I think he's a perfect guy for my, my Utah Jazz to take. Um, but he's a guy that I was low on, lower than the consensus coming into the year. And now I'd say I'm either higher on or right on the middle with where most people are seeing him now. Um, and so I'm pleasantly surprised by him. And I really enjoy his demeanor that it, with which he attacks the game. Yeah, I have him as a lottery pick. I had him as a lottery pick coming into the season, but it was more so like, ah, I'm not a big fan just because I have a personal preference for point guards. I like, I've talked about it before. I like my point guard to be able to get downhill and be a, a score, kind of like a three-level type score. And he is more so of a connective tissue but the thing that has really surprised me about him is that he gets to the free throw line a lot. I didn't think that was, that was something that I would have never guessed that he would be someone that racks up free throw attempts. And it's kind of unique because I know a lot of people try to compare him to like Lonzo ball as this connective tissue, but Lonzo is somebody that never gets to the free throw line, just rarely attacks the rim. And, and Anthony, it's like, he's, you know, you don't want to call him a big-time scorer, but it's rare to have a guy that is not a big-time scorer but that knows how to get to the free-throw line like he does. That's pretty unique. Yeah, I I hadn't heard the Lonzo, and I, and I actually like that. I think they go about their scoring differently. Like you mentioned, uh, he's more of a I'm going to get by, jump stop in the paint, kick out. Lonzo's more of a pick-and-roll facilitator, and they can both score decently well off of it and neither have beautiful jump shots coming out of out of school or Anthony Blacks and when once he comes out of school isn't going to be beautiful, but I think it can be improved. So I actually I like that comparison and and I think yes, well he can be considered a connective tissue because you're not going to put the ball in his hands and say, you know what, you're my number one option for an NBA team. I think he's a like a connective tissue that is not just like a glue guy that you're like, you know, we like his attitude and effort. I think he's a guy who can take an advanced role. Like the last connective tissue that I think has taken this would be like Franz Wagner. People always said, oh, I don't know what Franz is going to be, myself included. I wasn't sure what he would be. Um, and he was regarded often as a connected tissue. I think he's a guy who can take an uh, accelerated role, even though his main attributes are that of someone who typically is a connective tissue and and a guy who you know just contributes on both ends, but not excelling on either end. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Lonzo Ball fan. <laughs> And well, Lonzo was good in, in college. Uh, didn't really get to the rack, but did catch like a lot of alley-oops. Was a guy that kind of racked up points on the baseline lob play. Didn't really see that a lot in the NBA. But again, it's just a preference. Um, I never like really believed in Lonzo as a pick-and-roll ball handler because he's not a threat to get downhill. And it's kind of like, well, if he has a ball screen, then you know – He's just going to kick it out. He's like I said, he's not a threat and he really doesn't want to score. And he shot a lot of threes, but I think Anthony black could be better. And Lonzo was what the, the second pick. So second pick. Um, 
That was, I mean, remember they were talking about hanging his jersey up in the Raptors before he played a game. All right, when we return, we'll talk about a few other players that have exceeded Leafs expectations. But let's talk about FanDuel. FanDuel is our new sponsor, and we're, I mean, we're just excited about our new sports betting partner because FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to, check this out, $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel, it allows you to bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads to who will score a touchdown. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it is secure, and it is super easy to use. But best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL and locked on. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow at Leaf Tulane, and we are just discussing a few players that have exceeded expectations. First, it was Bryce Sensenball from Ohio State, and then Anthony Black from Arkansas, two freshmen. All right, who is number three on your list of guys that have exceeded expectations? Yeah, I'll stick with another freshman here, and this is someone I knew of because I like to know rosters coming into college ball, but I hadn't seen him coming into the year, and that's Noah Clowney. Um, Noah Clowney has been, speaking of connective tissue, I think he's a very connecting piece for an Alabama team that's got Final Four aspirations, national championship-level aspirations. Brandon Miller gets the headlines, and rightfully so, but Noah Clowney um, has played an integral role where he can, can space the floor on offense, he can switch multiple positions on defense and really has excelled at all facets of the game for an Alabama team that has thrived using length and activity on the defensive end. And even though that's not been their calling card too much in recent years, uh, I think he's really transcended that, that kind of stereotype that Alabama is just an offensive school and um, their defense, I would argue is what makes them as good as they are this year, despite having multiple scores. Do you think he's a four or a five? I would say that he, his role will probably be more of a five, but I think he can play a four. Like I think he plays a role similar to that of like Jared Vanderbilt. I'm not comparing those two directly, um, but I think he's someone that you, you don't see him as a huge offensive threat, despite him being, I think what he will be a better shooter than Jared Vanderbilt. But I think defensively he plays the, the four and I think offensively he may play the five role for a team. All right. If he's a five, is he the second Five that would go off the board in this draft behind Wimbayama. Uh, I would I'm take him. I would take him. Yeah, I would take him five. over Kalel Ware and Lively right now. I'm I'm not sure that's what will end up happening because a lot of people really do believe that the high school tape is is very important and and sometimes I do, but I also don't think there's there's going to be a shortage of those type of players. Like once you get into the end of the first round, I think there's a lot of guys that fit that high potential big role. Yeah. Now I believe in the high school tape. I use it as a point of reference, but I more so 
go by what I see in college. And and I had mentioned it today. And maybe Dayron Holmes. Uh, sorry, I just thought of one more. I think Holmes could, could have an argument for, for going ahead of Clowney. Yeah, yeah. I guess I saw him as like, I mean, if there was a position called a 4.5, that would be, that would be Holmes. I, I personally see Clowney as, as more of a five than than Holmes, but yeah, you're you're right, you're right there. All right, who is another player that has exceeded your expectations? Yeah, I'll go to an upperclassman here. We we typically on this draft we talk about freshmen. This guy I think is going to get second place in National Player of the Year votes. We've spoken about him for a while and saying, hey, if he can develop this, he can become a draft prospect. That's Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson of the Kansas Jayhawks is a guy that I think will find his name in the late first round despite his age, just because he's such a force on both sides of the ball. We've known before this year even began that if he'd enter the draft, he'd be a good defender. He'd be a good rebounder with versatility on uh, ability to switch. But could he shoot? And at that point, the answer to the question was no. Right now he's shooting 35%, but I watched the threes he's taken. They look very good. His catch and shoots are deep on the floor. I think the range will translate. And his ability to get downhill and, and rip off the catch, I, I really think will translate to the modern NBA where they play a lot of advantage basketball, catch and go, catch and rip. Um, he's a guy that I started this year just kind of tossing a board together and he was you know around 40 just because I didn't believe that he'd improve that much. I thought he'd get better and be the focal point for a team where he was kind of the tertiary option. But like he he looks awesome. Like every time I watch Kansas, I'm like, man, how good is this guy in a college basketball setting? And then I think to myself, what's the difference between he and Agbaji like a, a year ago? Um, Agbaji's a better shooter, but Wilson's bigger. He's he's a comparable athlete. And Ochai Agbaji for for the Jazz is really developing before our eyes. And so I I do believe that he's a guy that is going to continue to dra- uh, creep up boards. And and there's going to be some people that are scared off by age, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I think we, well, not necessarily we, like me and you, but I use myself. I've been overthinking it. I have him right outside the first round, and he just keeps producing. He keeps producing. He keeps producing. And now I have to check myself and wonder, like, am I not putting him in the first round because he's a junior and he's not a freshman? Or is he a Well, I know he missed the year. I think he's playing for his third year, but he's been in college for four years. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I just wonder like, you know, am I just overlooking it because it's not the sexiest freshman, you know, we, we, we just love freshmen, right. To the point where I just think that, I mean, even unproductive freshmen are getting could possibly be drafted ahead of him. Right. And I totally, totally, totally disagree with that, but yeah, I mean, he's been really good. I mean, I expected him to make a jump, but not like what he's doing. I, I thought 17, 8, 3 assists. I was hoping he could get to around 34% from three. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he started off the season really bad. So he's been really. Yeah, he he shot poorly uh, from the perimeter early on. And yep. uh, I think if you've watched him in Big 12 play, where the six of the top 15 teams in the nation are in the big 12 he's Brutal. excelled he scored 38 on kansas state in manhattan he he's put on masterful performances against good defenses and let me just riddle one question like what about a guy like julian phillips who was heralded very highly and he's been solid on one of the better teams in the country in tennessee 
to me, I think Jalen Wilson's the better draft prospect just because I've seen with my eyes what he can do and his athletic traits, whereas Phillips is more of a mystery to me, despite being youthful and showing flashes on a team that's just as good as Kansas in, in terms of Ken Palm. Those teams are, sorry, neck and neck. And I have a, a better one, Dylan Mitchell. There are some people that have Dylan Mitchell ahead of Jalen Wilson, and Dylan oh. Mitchell is nowhere near as productive Definitely younger. I mean, you can't deny that. A lot of people... He, he can't dribble with his right hand, though, at this point. Like, yeah. he's so left-hand dominant. Um, but so I, I get your point. I, I, I'm all the way on board. I, that's why I said Phillips, though, is is because I think he's, he's shown flashes of productivity, so people are enamored by it. Yeah. And we'll find out who else has major lists of players that have exceeded expectations. But if you are interested in daily fantasy, then you have to check out prize picks because prize picks is daily fantasy made easy and with prize picks all you have to do is pick two to six players and you will decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people it is just you versus the projections available and prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch nba NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, college basketball for men and women, soccer, even your league, even cricket. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It is safe and fast withdrawals. And it is currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com and sign up to play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, last segment. We've covered three freshmen and one junior. Who is next on your list of players that have exceeded expectations? A sophomore um, by the name of Maxwell Lewis, who I had on my board mostly because I'd seen others that, that do what we do have him as just kind of a, a guy that could be in the second round because they saw traits. Well, right now he's, he's on the borderline of my lottery and I watch him and I'm torn, but, I, I see that he's significantly better than I thought he would be entering this year. The, the reason I'm torn is because he gets to the rim with ease. He hasn't finished very well. Um, his shot's fine, and his defensive effort, we've spoken about this before, is I can see him being good on defense if he applied himself. But at times, he doesn't apply himself. And I wonder if I'm just imagining it to make him a more holistic uh, uh, player and, and a prospect that could be a, a, a team like the Jazz could look after. And as a fan of the Jazz... I, I wonder, like, will he be a guy I'd be interested in? Can he have some of that same leap that a guy like Jalen Williams took for the Thunder because he's taking such a role in college and all of a sudden he's playing a role uh, as, in, as a role player in the NBA and he excels at it? And I've thought to myself about that. So I'm torn in terms of that, but there's no denying he's excelled my expectations. He's about 19 points a game. He's a wiry 6'7", six, 6'8", six, scorer who gets the places on the floor with both athleticism and dial, and, and I'm impressed by his game. So you don't think he finishes well at the rim? I, I would say that it's not necessarily 
he doesn't have the capacity to. I feel like he goes up softer than I would like him to. He he go he gets to the spot so well that I w- I want him to go up with that same vigor. Whereas a guy like Blake Wesley, he gets there but at lightning speed, so he just needs to take a second to slow down. For me, he looks so under control, but then he misses, um, and he lacks the alacrity going up. Like he he doesn't have the energy going up to the rim that I I would like to see. But I I wonder like. I, I've said this before. If you can get there, I trust them to learn to f- make it. So I wonder if I'm nitpicking on him, but at the same time, I, I don't think I'm too being too harsh on him since considering I've got him at 14 on my board. If you had to guess what percentage he's shooting at the rim, what would your guess be? 72. Well, 65. And he's in the top 90 percentile in college basketball. <laughs> so he uh, is an elite finisher at the rim, just based off the numbers. He's in the 90 percentile, 1.4 points per possession. He has 21 dunks, and he is shooting, which is which is good. But if you take away the dunks, he's at 58% on layups, which is still in the top 84 percentile in, in the country, which it was at 74 at one point before they got into conference play. I, I would say I'll, I'll preface it by saying I think that when he goes downhill, he decelerates to a degree that makes it harder. And I wonder against better athletes if his finishing style gets impacted. You want him to bang on guys. That's what you want. I mean, I, ideally, that would be awesome. But but I I mean, for instance, anyone who knows me knows the floater is my favorite shot. But I typically don't like prospects to do that because I think that they've got the athletic ability that I'd lack. So you don't like Nick Smith Jr. I'm a little lower <laughs> on him than the most. But I do love a good floater. Nick Smith has an excellent, excellent floater. But there's a guy, you're probably familiar with him in the Pac-12, K.J. Simpson, who I think has a, a really, really nice floater game. All right, is there another prospect that has exceeded your expectations? Uh, another guy that I've, I've got high on my board um, is, is Jet Howard. But, uh, but I think I knew why I'd like him, and I think I'm going to lower him later, and I'll, I'll explain that. And that's because... He's tall, he's big, and he can really shoot. And there's a few instances where he shows wiggle, but his feet are not quick defensively. And he does and not I think, rebound. And he does, yeah, that, that was the other part. He, he's, there's no <laughs> physicality for his mm-hmm. big base. Um, and yep. so I, it comes in factor as a rebounder in terms of boxing out. It also matters like when he goes downhill, he, he is one that is, it, it's a jump shot. He, he crosses into a jump shot. Uh, so he's one. And then one I had no idea about was Taylor Hendricks. I, I, I've said this before on here. I didn't know who he was. And then I looked at the box score against Florida State when I wanted to watch Matthew Cleveland. And I was like, man, this guy's pretty good. Like, I'm going to keep tabs on him. I've watched him play Houston twice. I've seen uh, UCF play USF. And, uh, and that's so, uh, Southern Florida versus Central Florida. Uh, there's, there's a lot of USFs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I watched four, four or five games of him. And there's been a couple that have been really productive and a couple that have been bad, but both of them show me about equal amounts of flashes. Like, man, that, that guy at six, nine and 18 years old can run the floor like that. And he can jump like that. And and, and then, yeah, that's the other thing is sometimes he shoots very well and against Houston, which is the biggest test. He has not shot well, but he'll still leave me with a lasting impression. So uh, he's a guy that I expect I'll move up come draft time right now. I've got him at 27. Did you see the first Houston game or the second? I've seen both of them. Okay. I know the first one was kind of brutal. 
Yeah. And the second one was a little bit better. I, I would say they gave me l- like similar levels of lasting flashes though. Cause, cause you, you miss shots. Like it, it happens. Like we want everyone to shoot lights out every game. Um, but he wasn't good shooting the ball against Houston. The first one, the second one, he made a few more shots, but I would say the fact that he was able to compensate, uh, compensate for his lack of shooting ability in that first game with the motor and, and uh, energy and just trying to make up for it almost on the defensive end against a guy like Jarace Walker, who's regarded as a lottery pick that really impressed me with his, his uh, just mental fortitude. And then the second game, he showed a little bit more shooting flashes and, and he was able to bang with the physical bodies of Houston. And that impressed me. Yep. So I got another comparison for you. So you said how usually it just comes to mind when you're watching guys, right? Mm-hmm. Who was the player that came to mind? Cause I, I have one for, for Taylor Hendricks for me. I don't know if I, I, I thought of anyone for him, but I, I, I'm assuming that we're the same archetype is going to be there. So I'm curious. So for me, when I watched him, it was against the Florida against Florida State. It was that game, and I was like, if this guy puts it together, he could be Chris Bosh. I I not not well. I put it like this: yeah. not as good, but I mean, like a Chris Bosh light. You know, you. I, I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. The the the, the part I'd nitpick, and, and this is obviously like Bosh was a top five pick. This is yep. likely going to be a twentieth pick. But I, I understand the validity of it. My thinking that that's different is I haven't seen him do what Bosch does like in the mid post. And what part of what made yeah. Bosch so good is he was such a good like rotational defender, anchoring defenses, and his ability to like jab and go to the rim was super underrated. Because most people think of like Miami Bosch, yeah. and I was young for Toronto Bosch, but I, I loved watching him play. And he'd get to his left and he'd lean into you and he'd, he'd bang and put a ball off the glass. I, I can see what you're saying in terms of the way he'd step out and the way he's built. Um, I'm just curious to see if he kind of can captain a defense and, and if he can put anything together for beyond a catch and shoot guy in the NBA. Yeah, I think he, I mean, he shows flashes of ball handling. I don't think, well, obviously he's not going to have the face up opportunities that, that Bosch has just because yeah. it's kind of frowned upon in this era. But as far as just like the, like he's a good athlete the way he moves, he'll be able to maybe switch between a four and a five. Um, I know I, I read an article where Bosch said he wishes he shot more threes. And I think if Bosch was playing in today's NBA, obviously the mid range would be minimized, but he'd be more of a pick and pop guy that would attack closeouts on like straight line drives. And that's what I think Hendricks could end up having a role as your pick and pop four or five that with a hard closeout, he can get to the rim and two dribbles and, and finish there. So I like him. Um, I have him. I want to say I have him like 19 or 20 on my last mock. I have him going to the Knicks and, and the way that was tankathon was a week or two ago, the Knicks had the 19th and the 20th pick. So I had him going to the Knicks. I just don't remember if it was 19 or 20. Do you prefer him or, or Clowney? The, the, those are two guys that have, I, I mentioned them both in this, that have ascended up my board. And the reason I lean towards Clowney is just because I've seen more of him, uh, yeah. if that makes sense, because I like to make a really 
uh, holistic overview. When I when I move a player up, it's typically I'll, I'll watch their film and really assess like, can they do this every game or close to it? And Clowney every game brings it defensively, and he really impresses me in that regard. And then he's shown enough shooting, whereas Hendricks has shown better shooting than Clowney, but his defense has flashes rather than consistent defensive prowess. Yeah, I also look at Hendricks as a guy that if he and I've heard he had like some really good offers from bigger schools and this is just a rumor I can't confirm it but I heard one of the reasons he went to Central Florida is because he has a twin brother yeah and it was kind of like a a package deal and not every school was willing to to take them in a package deal and then I also heard that he was just really loyal because they were on him early as opposed to a, a bigger school that was late to the party but I wonder if Hendricks went to Kansas or if he went to Kentucky would he be a lottery pick in our eyes if he had the hype and the fanfare and the buzz coming into the season because I mean we talked about it earlier in the show sometimes that high school hype and buzz can carry you into the first round even if you're not playing but for some guys that are at like mid-majors that didn't have the hype and the buzz you're kind of skeptical right Maxwell Lewis is an example. I think if Maxwell Lewis was at a power five school, the numbers may go down a little bit. Let's say he is the same player, but he's averaging 15 instead of 19. I think Maxwell Lewis would be a lock to be in the lottery. So um, just it's all interesting and how it all how it all works out. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, this was, as usual, a great episode because. Man, when me and Leaf get together, it's always fun and, and insightful, mostly with him providing the insight. So thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, you have to check out the Game to Game NBA Podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with Leaf Tulane, and we just broke down some players that have exceeded Leaf's expectations, and we are out. <laughs>